Good morning, everybody. Great to see you this morning. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant, one of the teaching pastors here. We're glad that you're here today. We've been doing a series on hearing the voice of God, and we're going to dive straight in and just get to work. So if you've got your Bible, 1 Kings chapter 19, or if you've got that CTK app or a program with you, you'll be able to follow along. You know, I wonder if Elijah ever wondered if the voice that he was hearing was actually God. I mean, have you ever wondered that? You, know, you believe that you've heard something from God, it's pressed deep into your soul, but then the questions start, right? Was it you? Is it something else? Is it your imagination? You know, is it the four funnel cakes that you ate at the fair last night? You know, kind of the residue of that. Are you losing it? Are you going nuts? How in the world do you know if it's God or not? Well, last week, Elijah heard from God in the middle of a meltdown and a bunch of disobedience. He was running and God chased him. And they meet in kind of the, the apex of the story on the top of Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, and they essentially have a conversation. They have a confrontation. The Bible tells us, and yes, I'm getting old and my arms got shorter while I was on my break. So if you're over 40, you feel my pain, all right? Scripture says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in that earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? We've spent two weeks unpacking why God asked that questions and why, God re or why Elijah responds to it exactly the same way both times. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Then God speaks. He speaks, and he gives this little tiny instruction. Go back the way you came. Don't just press through. Go back the way that you came Elijah, go back past the place where you could run faster than a chariot because the Holy Spirit of God said you could. Go back past the place where you saw God take on 450 prophets of Baal and win. Go back and walk past that, Elijah. Go back past the place where the little boy in the house where you were staying died and God brought him back to life again. Go back there. Go back past the place where God saved your life because he refilled this little jar, little jar of oil over and over and over and over and over again. Go back past the place, Elijah, where you didn't have anything to eat and God used scavenger birds to feed you. That's crazy. Go back past the place where the Holy Spirit of God showed up in this beautiful moment and said to a tired prophet, have a snack and take a nap twice. God has been speaking the whole time. The whole time. That's why we made this assertion at the beginning of the series. God spoke to Elijah the same way he speaks to us, continuously and creatively. And we're going to see how creative God can be today. Continuously and creatively. You see, God is always speaking. Even when you can't hear him, he's speaking. And I just wonder if Elijah could hear God's voice just a little louder and a little clearer because God told him to actually do life in reverse for just a moment. As I've grown in my faith, I've lived this bold assertion. I believe the voice and the direction and the protection of God is often best seen and heard in hindsight. 
When you have a moment when you just kind of stop and you turn around 180 degrees and you look back over the expanse of your life and you see all of the moments when God was speaking and God was protecting and God was loving and God was helping, you just couldn't notice it at the time. I mean, let's face it, sometimes it's just hard to hear God. I mean, we desperately want to, but life is loud. The world is loud. And Elijah finally comes to this point, and instead of just moving on and pressing through, which is what we so often do, right? Because we're, we're Americans, right? We pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. We just soldier on. Instead of doing that, God says this, hey, prophet, time out. Just stop. Stop and turn around. And look back at all of those moments when God may have been speaking, but we were just too busy or too absorbed to even notice. My question for the weekend is simple. Can we follow the example of Elijah and the wisdom of God this weekend? I mean, can we just stop for a second and turn around and listen to what it is that maybe God has been saying to us for years? We've just ignored him and pushed him to the margins. I mean, can we follow the admonition of Isaiah chapter 46? It says this, remember the former things. Remember the stuff that's gone on. Those of long ago, I am God, there's no other. I am God, there's none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient time, and what is still to come. And I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do what I please. Can we just let God be God today, and take a moment and go, okay, I'm listening. I can flash back to so many points in my life where God was speaking, but I didn't recognize it till afterwards. I remember as a high school kid trying to figure out who I was going to associate with. And I remember hearing God whisper in my ear, you may have to stand alone. You may have to. I remember sitting in front of a computer as a young guy in high school, one click away from sin. And in the back of my brain, I could hear the voice of Bob Hildebrand, my Awana commander, parroting the words of Jesus saying, you were bought with a price, honor God with your body. I remember that. I remember going into college and applying to work at Camp Cedarwood. Camp Cedarwood only took the cream of the cream from Briarcrest Bible College. And I was so arrogant, I thought I was cream. So I applied. I wanted to go work with these kids at this camp. I was going to be, it was going to be awesome. And I remember the director, Bruce Heinmar, sitting across the desk from me and saying, we don't want you. Your reputation has preceded you. You're arrogant. What? And I remember hearing the voice of God saying, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I went to work for an entire year. I ended up going back and having to apologize to every single one of my professors, apologizing for being that arrogant young punk that sat in the back of their class with this know-it-all attitude. Nobody could teach me anything. I already had it all figured out. And having to go back and humble myself and say, I need help. I remember applying the next year to go back to Cedarwood again. And I remember Bruce sitting there and saying, your reputation has preceded you. You've done some work. Why don't you come and work at Cedarwood for a summer? And I remember the night I'm standing on the end of this dusty driveway. One of my kids named Eldon had pulled a knife on another kid in my cabin. They had to send him home. And I remember standing there because Eldon's drunk, abusive father came and picked him up and loaded him up in a van. As I watched that van drive away, I remember thinking that kid is going to get beaten within an inch of his life. And God came and stood on that driveway with me and said, you've got to do something about that. You were born to do something about that. Welcome to youth ministry. 
I remember getting down on one knee on the top of a hill in Manitoba in front of Laurel Lynette Harder with the most expensive ring I could afford, which was not much. And I remember God whispering, hurry up (laughs) before she figures it out. Hurry up. I remember sitting in Canada, minding my own business and hearing God say, go to Nooksack, Washington. What? What? Hindsight, it was God speaking. Is there a moment that you can look back on now that time has allowed to clarify that you didn't think it was God, but it was God? Can you go back to that moment? And we've been focusing on God's audible and written communication in this series, because let's face it, those are the modes that we're the most comfortable with and the mode that we most often want, right? We want the audible voice, the disembodied James Earl Jones moment. That's what we're looking for, right? And this week, I just want to bring into the conversation some of the more mysterious ways that God uses to communicate to His children. The first week, we learned God speaks through His voice, His Scripture, His Son, His Spirit, His people, and His purpose. That's how He directs us. Now we're going to add to that list because the Bible says, and afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heaven and on earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. And the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You need to know two facts from that scripture. God is coming back. And sometimes, God speaks to us in ways that we are uncomfortable with. The Bible teaches that God speaks through dreams and visions and prophecy. And as soon as I say that, people start squirming. They've been squirming all weekend. Because it's just like, oh, this is going to get weird, isn't it? Grant went away for three months, and now he came back, and he's all fired up, and we're going to take a turn into the weeds here, and this is not going to go well for any of us, right? As soon as I start talking about God talking this way, people get a little weirded out. And let me tell you why. Because at some point, they probably had a bad experience. Maybe you had that experience. Somebody showed up and just like, God told me to tell you. And in that second, it's just like, whoa. Why didn't he tell me? Right? Why is he telling you stuff about my life when I'm the one who's actually living my life. That is not computing with me at all. And you know, and why is it that it always seems like when someone shows up and says, God told me to tell you something, why is it always bad? You know? It's just like, ah, what am I going to do with this? In 25 years of being a pastor, I've seen that. I've seen that the tendency with prophetic gifts is either to misuse or mistrust a legitimate gift that God has given. I mean, people tend to get in trouble. Because at some point, they focus so much on the gift. It's about, this is the gift, and it's so awesome, and it's amazing. They focus so much on the gift, they just totally ignore the gift giver. The last time I checked, the focus of all of this is supposed to be Jesus. Not a bunch of Jesus people running around using their spiritual gifts. Now, that's wonderful and awesome, but if it takes away or distracts from Jesus, I think we're going the wrong way. So sometimes they get in trouble because they focus on the gift rather than the gift giver, or they discount the gift completely, and in doing so, completely disregard the gift giver. You know, I grew up in a very conservative Baptist home. We were, we were the serene ones. We were the serious ones. We did God the Father and Jesus week after week after week. The Holy Spirit, 
He was for the happy people who attended Calvary Temple in our town, right? You know, and we couldn't understand how in the world they'd get all wrapped up in their feelings. And every once in a while, God would like pull their hand in the air and we'd be like, whoa, you know, we are the frozen chosen right here. We're good, you know, just just leave us alone. We're fine. We called it reverence, right? And I could never figure out why, as this conservative kid, I was always so drawn towards these guys called the prophets. What the world's up with that? Don't let their title freak you out, okay? Prophet means forth teller, not fortune teller. Forth teller, someone who speaks on behalf of and using the Word of God. So God started kicking the sides out of my comfortable little box. I mean, I thought I had God pretty much figured out coming out of, coming out of, co- uh, coming out of college. And then Jesus started messing with my theology. Okay? Just so you know, if Jesus isn't messing with your theology on a regular basis, you, you may not be pressing in as hard as you need to. He started healing people around me, and I didn't have a box for that. He started communicating in creative ways. And honestly, I just got a little bit freaked out. I'm not freaked out anymore because I understand that God, while being unbelievably creative in the way that He communicates, often has a recurring message that just keeps coming that basically says this, I got you. I love you. And I will go to extraordinary measures to communicate just how much that's true. I could have chosen a number of examples of how God speaks in this way, but I'm going to settle on one that's unbelievably personal for me. And honest, I've been a little freaked out this whole week thinking I was going to share this. I got a hold of a whole bunch of prayer intercessors of Christ the King and said, you guys need to pray for divine permission because I just don't know if I'm even supposed to go into this story. And here we go. Ten years ago in 2003, two weeks before Easter, I got a phone call here at the church. It was a lady on the other end of it, and she said, I don't attend Christ the King you know me uh, because I play piano at a little pastor's prayer gathering that, that, we, you, know, that you come and, and pray at every once in a while. And she said these words, I believe that I have a word from the Lord for you. And I'm like, really? Interesting. <laughs> and I thought, well, um, okay. And she said, I, could we meet so that I could give it to you? I'm like, nah, I don't know about that. <laughs> but for some reason, I'm like, okay. This ought to be interesting, right? And I was a little freaked out, and I was so freaked out, I actually decided to take Pastor Derek Archer with me. Um, and Derek's sitting in the thing. He can validate the whole thing. If you need a witness, he's sitting right over there. I figured I'm going to take Derek along with me, number one, because Derek loves Jesus. Also, because Derek is a little larger than I am, and I figured if she does anything weird, we can take her, okay? So <laughs> that's how it's going to go down, right? And so we show up in this kind of gymnasium room where their church happens to meet, and she's got two chairs kind of pulled over into the corner, and Derek kind of pulls up a chair on his own, and he's going to watch this whole thing, and I kind of walk over there, and, 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 and she's just a little grandma. She didn't look that scary. <laughs> well, maybe a little, so, you know, it depends on who your grandma was, right? <laughs> and we sit down, and uh, she seems as uncomfortable as I am, and she said, could we pray? I'm like, sure. So she prays just a simple prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would you come and, and just sit with Grant and I for a little while? And then she pulls out this little piece of paper right here. Ten years. I've held on to this because she opened it up and she just started to read. And she started saying things like, in just a couple of weeks, your whole world is going to shake. 
Everything you know to be true is going to get turned completely upside down, and it's going to feel like your world is coming undone. But it's okay. Because Jesus is the foundation, and, and, and what's being shaken is a structure that's kind of been built around you, and, and, and you just need to not run. Just don't run, and, and then it's going to be super uncomfortable for you, but a mantle of leadership's going to get wrapped around your shoulders, and it's going to hurt, and it's kind of going to chafe a little while, but this is God's message to you. Don't run. Stay where you are. God will work it for good, I promise. And there was details and stuff in here. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you because honestly, some of it was just for my wife and I. And we were just like, oh, okay. I went home and showed it to Laurel. Like, yeah, that's it. And honestly, my first thought was, I don't know what's going on with you because my world seems good. We're solid. Everything around me seems to be going great. I don't know what in the world you're talking about. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. If you were here in 2003, you know what happened two weeks later, right? If you weren't here, let me fill in the blanks. Two weeks later on Easter, the whole structure of Christ the King got shaken really, really, really hard because our founding pastor resigned, and guess who he left in charge? <laughs> and we were all freaked out. And there were days when everything inside of me said, run, go back to Canada where it's safe, you know? <laughs> The border, you know, guards, it's good. And I was so terrified, and I'll be honest with you, every once in a while, when I just have a really, really, really tough day, I go and pull out in an envelope with a couple of eagles on the front of it, and I read it, and I go, okay, I'm not running. The words in here, they were tender, and they were specific, and they were scary. She had a tape recorder with her, and I couldn't understand what that was all about. And I said, so are you going to give me like a copy of the tape? She goes, no, I'm going to give you the written record of it. She goes, this tape is actually for my church leadership. She goes, and I'm going to submit it to them. She goes, because if I get this wrong and this is not right, then I don't get to use this gift. And I'm like, oh, accountability. Really? Never experienced that before. In that moment, God was speaking. But I want to use that to ask a question. How did Laurel and I know that that was God? How do you know if it's God or not, right? If somebody brings it to you or you just feel it deep in your soul, how in the world do you really know for sure, 100%, if it's God or not? I'd like to walk you through biblically a filter through which you can put anything that will allow you to know, or at least to discern with, with, with a higher degree of probability whether or not it's God or not. Okay, we knew it was God because it passed the Scripture test, Okay. If anyone brings you a word from God and says it's God speaking, if they bring it to you and it violates anything that God has already said, it's not God. It's not, okay? If it violates anything that's already been written between those two covers, it's not God. That's why the book of Titus says this. It says, he must hold to the trustworthy message as it's been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine. And refute those who oppose it. So if you get a word from God through another person or it's just pressed into your soul, if it presses against sound doctrine from Scripture, it's not God. Okay, someone shows up. God told me to ro rob a bank. No, he didn't. Thou shalt not steal. God told me that I'm, gonna go, that I'm allowed to go and have an affair because I'm not happy at all in my marriage. 
And God just wants me to be happy. God said, no, he didn't. That's not consistent with what God has already said. God told me, as long as my sin doesn't affect anybody but me, that he's good with it, and he'll wink at it, and someday he'll grade on a curve, and we're just going to call it good when we all get to heaven. No, he didn't. It's not what Scripture says. Well, God told me that I don't need to pay my taxes because the government's corrupt anyway. Romans says, no, he didn't. If it adds to Scripture... It's not God speaking. If it takes away from Scripture, it's not God speaking. I mean, listen to the warning that God says at the end of this book. He says, I warn everyone. I warn everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. Oh, And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of the prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. We should never, ever, ever lightly add the words, thus saith the Lord, to anything. Because God says, I will hold you accountable and this is the standard. Can I get an amen from anybody at 10 o'clock? Awesome. How else did we know it was God? It passed the humility test. The messenger came humbly and respectfully. She came confident, but she was not arrogant. You know why that's important? Because Scripture says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If the message from the Lord comes, and it somehow elevates a person to take a spotlight that only belongs to Jesus, that's not from God, because God opposes the proud. I mean, you'll hear this saying around here. When pride walks onto a stage, Jesus walks off. So if it increases humility, Scripture says we must decrease. He must increase. If in any way that word elevates ourselves, it's not God. That includes the messenger who brings it to us. If The message comes proudly. We've got to be so careful because Scripture says God will actually lean back against it. It passed the accountability test. Now, Scripture says this, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Boy, we hate that submit word, don't we? Obey your leaders, submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men that give an account. Okay, listen very, very carefully. I'm talking specifically about when somebody brings you a word and they say it's from God. I want you to make sure you get this. An untethered prophet is a dangerous prophet. If they're not tethered to a local body of believers, there's no accountability. Okay? And if they are untethered, don't listen. If the messenger is their own authority, happens every once in a while here. Somebody shows up in town and they, and they set up a series of meetings and a bunch of people go and basically they say this, God told me to tell you to take a step of faith and, and, and remortgage your house and give the proceeds to me so that I can go and do ministry and that's God speaking. Time out. Under whose authority do you get to make that claim? Who are you accountable to? Who, who, who is over top of you? Who are you in submission to? If the messenger always seems to have a special relation, a revelation that allows them to function in isolation or benefits them, here's my, here's my 
admonition to you as the followers of Jesus. Run. Just run. My little grandma said, I am under authority. And if I get this wrong, I don't get to use this gift anymore. When she handed it to me, I remember her last words. May Jesus Christ be praised. That's accountability, my friends. Here's the next one. It passed the accuracy test. Now, let's be honest. It took two weeks <laughs> to pass the accuracy test. But she was right. She nailed it beforehand, specifically, without a lot of fanfare. You know, those of you who have been around, you've heard me say this before. When it comes to prophets and the prophetic, sometimes I just wish we still did it the Old Testament way. You know what happened in the Old Testament? If you were a prophet, if you got it wrong once, they killed you. <laughs> just tended to weed out everybody that wanted to be a prophet, right? Nobody was just like, sign me up for that job description. Yeah, 100% accuracy, right? Apparently the weathermen don't operate with that one either. So anyways, um, the Bible says, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer who formed you in the womb, I am the Lord the maker of all things, who stretches out the heavens, who spreads out the earth by myself, who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of diviners, who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense, who carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers. If it's from God, it's accurate. Here's the next one. Pass the tone test. You know, I was watching very closely what kind of tone she was going to share with me. What was beautiful about it was how pure it was. She's just, here you go. James 3.17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. There was nothing pretentious there was nothing that, that tried to elevate her. There was nothing punitive about it. She wasn't trying to, to beat something into my soul. It fulfilled all of the requirements of James 3.17. And finally, it passed the Spirit test. I mean, the Bible calls these the gifts of the Spirit, right? Well, if they're the gifts of the Spirit, it would make sense that they would exhibit the fruit of the Spirit when they're used correctly, right? And the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is this. It's love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And I saw all of that that day. You know, it's funny. I still run into her from time to time. She works as a clerk in a local department store. And the same thing happens. I make eye contact three different times. I've actually tried to talk to her about what happened ten years ago. And I'll see her, and I'll start making my way through the clothes racks towards her, and she always does exactly the same thing. God speaking. Through a quiet, humble grandma that took a chance on love. So I got a question for you, church. In what way has God spoken to you in the past that you're ready now to acknowledge as Him? Some of you heard 
God speak when you were 18 years old and you spent the rest of your life running? Isn't it about time that you just stopped and listened? Seriously? Some of you have heard the same thing recurring over and over and over again. Do you think maybe it's time now to stop and go, okay, God, I get it. Lady from our church heard God speak this past week. Take something nice to your neighbor. Her first thought, my neighbor hates me. God said, do it anyway. She baked something, walked it next door, and was shocked to find out that her neighbor's husband had passed away. And she was in her house praying that somehow God would send somebody to help her in her pain. God speaking. So what's he saying? I get this question all the time. How do I know if it's God? This would be my first question. Does it pass the Scripture test? God never contradicts himself. So unless it's in alignment with Scripture, it's not Jesus. It's not the Holy Spirit. So that's a good place to start, right? In fact, that should, if nothing else, that should drive us into our Bible. Because how in the world are we supposed to discern this stuff if we don't know what God's already said? How can we know if it's God speaking if, if we don't take into account that God spoke? Whatever you hear through another person, through what God's saying, is it going to increase your humility or decrease it? I'll tell you what, if it elevates you, if it's all about you, it doesn't line up with God's character because Scripture says the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. If it sounds like you're going to have to give your life away, that sounds like Jesus to me. Is it accurate? Does the tone of it match the character of God? Believe me, God is a God of grace. He's also a God of justice. He will say both good things, and sometimes He'll love you enough to share the hard stuff too. Does it match the character of God? If it's the Holy Spirit, is it going to require you to be more filled with the Holy Spirit if you're obedient? I mean, if it causes a decrease in your faith, not God. We're going to take a moment, just like we've been doing in all of the other services throughout this series, and we're just going to have a moment to sit and listen. Right now, whatever's happening in your heart, I got a question for you. Could that be God? Could it be? Could He be whispering something to you? Maybe you left Him a long time ago. Maybe He's whispering, time to come home. You've run long enough. Could he be saying there's another way to do this thing called life? Could he be saying, time to be saved? Could he be pointing you in a direction? Well, Pastor Ryan is going to come and join me right now. And this weekend, we're going to do something different. Pastor Ryan is actually going to come and he's going to sing a prayer for all of us. It would seem foolish to talk about God speaking for 32 plus minutes and then just not have taken opportunity to listen to Him. Doesn't that seem to make sense? So Pastor Ryan's going to come. He's going to grab his guitar. He's going to sing. There he is. And we're going to take a moment. We're just going to sit quietly. I'm not promising an audible voice. I'm not promising that somebody's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, hey. I'm also pro not promising that that's not going to happen because the last time I checked, 
God is creatively speaking to his kids all the time. Maybe you need to sit quietly. Maybe you need to slip out of your chair and kneel. I don't know. But we're going to take a moment and Ryan's going to lead us and we're just going to quietly reflect on what it is that God might be speaking. And if you don't know what else to do, maybe you need to do a 180 degree turn and look back over your 23 years or your 42 years or your 78 years and think back to that moment when it was God and you knew it, you just pushed him away. Maybe he's saying the same thing. And maybe today will be the day you listen.